So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Hello, and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take our favorite properties and we reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. Heck yeah. <laughs> I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and joining us this week, we have a special guest. They are a phenomenal artist, uh, favorite Pokemon, and they can count to seven, possibly even higher. <laughs> <laughs> it's Locke! Hello! My favorite number is 13, and I think that's the reason why you brought me in. <laughs> the, the reason I brought you in is because I have a weird hang-up about the number 13. We're like, no, we have to have at least 14 unique guests before we get to episode 100. What's great is that we're, we're recording at this time. Uh, we're recording on August 13th. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even realize until you pointed it out. <laughs> <laughs> Synchronicities! <laughs> you can't escape it. Uh, my pronouns... What am I feeling today? I don't know. We'll just go with they he for today. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like a good that sounds like a good feel right now that I got so far. Cool. But um thank you very much for the compliment, by the way. Um as you can tell I'm overly talky because I am actually uh secretly a very shy thing. So <laughs> <laughs> So I'm kind of overcompensating right now, but uh, thank you for the compliment about my art. Gracious, it's it's That's awesome. Nice. And thank you. Th I think it was at some point last year where I saw you'd opened up commission slots, and I saw you working like, okay, if I'm gonna get a character from them, I need to get someone who like lives up to the quality of what Locke can do. And so I I found our like our Phantom Thief character from Mina Lindsay and our friends Pokemon roleplay. I'm like, here, here's the yeah, yeah, yeah. Draw her. She's amazing. She has a whole roulette whale on her face. It's great. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun time actually. Um, I I have to say that that uh picture that I did, gosh, um, it actually made me play with a lot of different shading because she had like very dark colors on her. Yeah. So I had to ex very much experiment <laughs> with with the lighting and everything in shadows. So, yeah, I'm really glad that you liked it. So, yay! That makes me so happy now. Speaking of commissions, I'm actually opening those up soon. So, eh. <laughs> yeah, but by, by the time this episode comes out, there'll probably there'll probably be some spots left. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I'll probably just be like like after this and just just gonna like post it up on Twitter. It's like, hey. I got slots. <laughs> <laughs> Please fill her up. All right. So how we do this? This is my first time here. Uh, Looking around at this podcast. Very nice. Very nice. Got some nice chairs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what we do here is when we have a guest on, basically you tell us the thing that you'd like to reboot and the ideas you have for rebooting it. And then we basically nod and go, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> awesome. And then we'll go, probably go off uh, on a weird tangent. <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna hear that from me. Um, so my pick for today, on August thirteenth, <laughs> <laughs> two days away from my birthday, oh, my birthday. is uh, yeah, yeah, on the fifteenth. I'm excited. Um, 
it's actually Coraline, which has already been adapted into a film, but I want another one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And the reason why I'm bringing up Coraline, and I thought that it'd be a funny idea to do the not if I reboot you first, is because there was a rumor that author Neil Gaiman had already debunked saying that it's not real, but someone's, <laughs> but I think someone on Twitter did a fan cast and it accidentally got attention. People thinking that it's like, oh, are they doing a live action Coraline? What are they doing? Would it be cool? And, and Neil had to be like, we're, we're not doing that. That's not happening right now. <laughs> so uh, that's one of the reasons why I want to bring up Coraline. It's one of my favorites. One of my favorite, favorite all-time stories. Which, uh, as people would know, is basically about a girl who is going to... Who is pretty much going through a very, to her, a very boring, slightly neglectful because of parents being very busy life. Moving into a new place, just... Uh, just bored and so she goes over to she finds a magic passageway that leads her over to the same world but not which is fantastical better a lot more funner and revolves around her all thanks to the love of a woman who claims to be her other mother and then of course it is not as it seems (laughs) so that's uh that's uh that's my deal right there is that I just I just like that stuff so much. <laughs> and I actually have the book in my hands and that's why I'm fumbling around, so I do apologize about that. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> no, that's I fine. have not personally read the book, but I have seen the film several times. I don't think I understood it the first time I watched. I think I was only half watching, but the second time I was like, oh oh, this is the real good stuff. Yeah, it's the good food. In a very neat way that they adapted it too. Oh yeah, for sure. Um like there were some parts that they did cut of course as like all movie adaptions do. And I was actually uh I actually watched the film first and then I read the book because I didn't know that it was a book <laughs> yet. And I came to realize that oh, um they actually added a new character inside of the film which was YB, who does not exist inside of uh who does not exist inside of the novel. Yeah. Um Coraline inside of the novel this is her own journey just completely this is all her all by herself she is facing uh the horrors uh that the other mother (laughs) brings down upon her and literally her only support was is just the cat so it it just made the the stakes and the feeling of isolation later on just kind of feel all that more impactful and uh I just really, <laughs> it's just really, it's just really good. doesn't help that he's also like one of my favorite authors nowadays. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I did hear that YB was introduced in the film basically to uh, as a way for Coraline to voice her opinions and stuff. Like, because, just so she had another character to talk to, basically. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Because there is a lot of internal monologuing and uh, inside of... <laughs> inside of the novel um there's uh lots of internal monologuing just a lot of thoughts but yeah like that definitely it does definitely help uh in terms for getting Coraline uh to actually you know speak out her thoughts Mm -hmm. 
And I believe this is the book that actually had a, a quote, the quote that uh, Neil Gaiman's kind of known for is uh, right before you begin the book, literally it starts with a quote of fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us that dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be beaten. Mm-hmm. So let's see. How would I adapt this, though? So would you I do definitely... live action or would you stick with stop motion? I would actually I would actually do a mix of both. I would not do I would not do stop motion because people will immediately compare it to the film no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they would do that anyway. I would actually do a mix kind of like a who framed Roger Rabbit type of mixture. We have the real world being a live action and I personally still love the 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 color language uh that the Leica adaption has where everything inside of the real world is just kind of gray kind of muddy kind of cold i still love that coloration inside of the real world with maybe some hints of color to things that are actually significant mm-hmm. so like like kind of like the snow globe uh when they uh when they go inside of the house the door itself um Maybe even, uh, maybe even the mother's uh, sweater, things like that. Just still gray, but specks of of color that do mean something. And then when you go over to the other side, I would love for that to be animated because of how fantastical it is. It just feels it just feels like it has to be in animation in order for it to kind of express how fantastic, how wonderful uh, that uh, this other side is, which makes it even more, uh, what's the word? Inviting, <laughs> I guess. I would heavily avoid CGI, personally. Yeah. <laughs> it's mostly because, like, nowadays CGI is just kind of used as just a, a medium rather than a tool. And this is just coming from an artist who's, like, spend a lot of time watching movies (laughs) but um it's just because like with 2d animation i feel like that you just you can just go nuts with that one with cgi it's it's really cool but the problem is is that it we are so trained our our eyes are so trained to spot these things that even remotely kind of go a little uncanny valley that it um it kind of breaks the immersion a little bit you start to you start to realize like oh yeah this actor is inside of a green room <laughs> interacting with with something while well, in animation i mean like just go nuts you know yeah i mean when you said mix the mediums i was thinking not so much a robber rat a roger rabbit as something more like a page master or a james and the giant peach where Coraline herself becomes animated or becomes CGI or stop motion yeah. when she enters the other world. Heck yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. She does not remain the same, mm-hmm. but she herself also changes. I. Ooh, it's actually kind of re- unraveling inside of my head, if I may. If I may express it. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Okay, so. How I would adapt it, it is, it's going to have a lot of color language into it. Again, with the dullness of the real world, the colorfulness and animation of the other world. And of course, her being herself also animated. Mm-hmm. I think it would be awesome 
that as things inside of the other world start to unravel, when Coraline starts to realize the true intentions of the other mother to just eat her life away, um, little by little, it starts to be, it starts to look real. I guess that's when some, a little bit of CGI can be able to break into it. Which kind of helps, again, like kind of reach into that uncanny valley of like, oh, wait a minute. This seems very askew. This seems very weird. If not CGI, definitely practical effects because I miss that in films. Oh, yeah. I'm always vouching for practical effects. Yeah. I was almost thinking something almost kind of Muppety. Yeah. Just a. Oh, gosh. There is. I don't know whether this is from like the Little House of Horrors. Um, I forgot because I personally did not watch this film, but there I did see a scene of a film where a guy was talking and dealing with a giant plant inside of a freaking kitchen, and it was just practical effect puppetry. Was it Little and House of it Horrors? Was, I think so. I don't remember, <laughs> but it's just that. It's just the puppetry uh, practical effects that I, I miss so freaking much. And um, I mean, like, and especially when it comes to like, like some parts in like pans uh, in like, um, oh, gracious. All of a sudden, I can't think of. Give me a moment. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> like in Labyrinth. That's a good one yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and. Help me out here. <laughs> Farscape did it really well. There you go, yes. There was another one. They reboot they the Netflix literally rebooted oh, this. Dark Crystal? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I am ashamed that I have forgotten the title because I actually really liked that film as a kid. I, I still have to watch the new series. I, I haven't even seen whether it's good or not. I just want to see what it's like. Yeah, oh, I, same. Same, same, same. I haven't I, seen the new series. And the one time I saw the uh, original film, I was uh, very tired on a bus heading back from a ski hill from a school ski trip. So, Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be... Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't be able to just sit comfortably watching a movie right there you're just like i i just want to close my eyes i don't know what's happening here it's really cool i'm gonna sleep yeah <laughs> off i go <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah like definitely like practical effects and puppetry near the end of it where it starts to break away from that mystical animation and it starts to kind of get a little bit more real it becomes a lot more and thus with that it actually starts to feel a little bit more threatening especially over the fact that it's like oh um this is real and this is out to get you and <laughs> horrible things will indeed uh, happen to you. Um, I honestly want a reboot of this film or is or this story. Excuse me. Uh, mainly because of certain aspects of of the of the climax, the especially the escape and trying to leave this this place 
that's trying to keep Coraline in because some of those parts were actually missing or altered in the in the Leica film. Okay. Yeah, um fun fact, the main reason why I want to reboot and I wanted and I wanted to bring up Coraline was literally because of a single scene. Just one scene that I want to actually see in film. Make that two. Okay. But yes. So uh first small scene uh is when she is escaping and trying to escape the the other world she has to go through that long corridor and the description <laughs> the description of this corridor the walls especially was that as she would go through it's so dark but she still feels that it is breathing mm. And when she would reach out to kind of touch against the, the walls to try and make sure that she's not going to fall or trip, the feeling that she has is something warm and skin-like. Sometimes a little wet. It's, ex it's extremely uncomfortable, but <laughs> that's... That is the horror of of being trapped in here, and just going through it is enough of just like you need to get out of here. Otherwise, the world itself being like a stomach, um, and the hall and the door being its mouth, mm. <laughs> it'll consume you. So <laughs> <laughs> it's small horror things like that that I just like. Why can't they? I wish that they kept that, but they kind of kept it as a more like. Like cloth, dusty, cobweb sort of like hallway instead of the fleshy kind, which I guess is a little scary. But I mean, this book is intentionally for kids. So. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I say give that horror to them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I read a thing where uh, Neil Gaiman wasn't sure if the... He was worried that the book might be too scary for children because he still wanted kids to read it. And so he gave it to, like, a friend's kid and she read it and she was like, no, it wasn't actually that scary. And then, like, years later when there he was at the movie premiere, he invited that same girl and she was like, by the way, I was actually terrified, but I also wanted to know what happened next. So I wanted to make sure that you got to publish it. <laughs> That's awesome. I do know for a fact, yeah, that's so awesome. And that's what I loved about this book was that he intentionally wrote it uh, for a child. It's, uh, he originally wrote it for his for his daughter, for his youngest daughter. <laughs> and he his intention was that he wanted some he wanted this mostly as a type of as like the quote I've read, he wanted to show something scary, but to show that despite going through horrible horrible things facing terrible terrors um that she makes it through in the end and that she can prevail despite it all and that's why he wanted that for for his daughter was and like and apparently like even other like other readers have told him that as well that it's helped him through it's helped them through like tough times and everything and um i wish i had that as a kid honestly i wish i knew about this book um when i was much younger because i think i i would be even more of a gusher about it but um <laughs> that's still funny over the fact that she's like by the way 
I I was actually quite terrified, but you know what? <laughs> uh the second scene, uh, the number one scene that I want adapted. This is another spooky one, <sighs> but it to me it gives it. I feel like it has more impact. So y'all have watched the film, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you of course remember the other father. Mm-hmm. So the so in the film in the film we saw that the other father was being like really cute, very endearing, and um. And the only time that he perished was in the garden. And it was actually just like, it was actually quite fast. I feel, I felt like, like, um, his threat just kind of came and went and it was gone. Yeah. Like other father, he wasn't even, when you look at the other versions of the neighbors, like their actual threats, but other father was for some reason on Coraline's side and he ends up like giving her the first orb that she needs, like the first soul. And so mm-hmm. that that one always felt weird to me because like well Coraline didn't actually do anything to that one it kind of got handed to her, and it kind of goes into what you were saying about how YB takes away from this being a totally Coraline's story. It's another thing where Coraline loses just a little bit more agency. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because in the story, it's she's all by herself. Mm-hmm. She only has a cat who's pretty snarky with her. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, I I still adore YB as a character. I I do not get me wrong. I still think he's a great character. He's extremely charming, and I adore him, and I will fight for him. Um, but in the novel, it I feel like it would just be a little bit better for her to not have that. And if anything, she still has the cat to talk to, who is also again still very snarky, but he talks back mm-hmm. whenever yeah. he wants because he's a cat. But the the scene I'm actually flipping to opening my book. <laughs> um, the way that she faces the other father is when she willfully and knowingly walks into a trap, but she knows that something is down there that she needs. If I'm remembering correctly, anyway. All I know is, all I remember is that uh, she goes down into the basement. A basement that's quite terrifyingly dark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And under this basement, she is trying to, she is trying to find, like, what it is that, it, what it is that she is trying to, like, get, which was one of the souls. Inside, if I may uh, read into this, she starts to find, she finds a shape of a person in the corner of the dark. And it was pale and swollen, like a grub. And it had thin, stick-like arms and feet. It had no features on its face, which had puffed and swollen like raisin bread dough. (laughs) And then there were two large black buttons that were its eyes should have been. And that's where she finds the other father. Just this unrecognizable <laughs> this unrecognizable uh blob <laughs> is what she finds on that note I gotta go one moment okay. <laughs> <Talk about> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was just gonna say that uh, that description left me a little bit nauseous <laughs> oh no I'm so sorry <laughs> that's okay uh, it- yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very it's a very time terrifying moment, but the the 
I almost want to wait until Tanner comes here because I want to bring like this gut punch of a line. Yeah, it's so good. But but I think with this, it pretty like I think the film still showed that kind of well that there is still some punishment towards, uh, I guess the other actors I like to call them, uh, still not going through um still not going through the 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 fun times of how they would be originally yeah like they would be like all happy and performative and just bombastic and theatrical and all sorts of color but then the moment that Coraline starts to go against it they start to lose their form and in a way the other mother kind of punishes them like kind of takes her aggression out of them or like just whatever lack of energy that she has they they just they share the same fate. Yeah. I think this scene kind of shares that as well, honestly. But what I adore about it is the fact that uh, she still tries to talk to the other father, who she absolutely knows firsthand that he is not going to work with her because in the end, he's still a part of this world and thus part of other mother. Mm-hmm. And... um. This, I won't go into detail now that I know. <laughs> no, it's fine. And, and again, I do apologize. I, I forget that I am, I forget that sometimes not everybody is as uh, eagerly morbid <laughs> as I am. I'm pretty morbid. Um, it's usually specifically compound fractures that get me. Ah, yeah. I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Okay, then I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> but, like, I think it's the way that the other father was described just... I don't know. It really got me. I'm going to go ahead and sidebar, because... Only because I'm, like, extremely excited for Tanner to come back and just be like, okay, so as I was saying... <laughs> <laughs> but the reason why she was down there over onto the basement is that she was looking her for, for her parents or for the stolen soul from one of the other children. And she asks, like, hey, are are they are they down here? And he says, there is nothing down here. Nothing but dust and damp and forgetting. And, and the best way that she could describe what she sees before her is just something monstrous, but also very, very miserable. Mm-hmm. And And she actually, and the thing is, is that she didn't, she was repulsed, but she felt so, she felt pitiable toward, like, like she felt pity towards this guy. Um, I'm back. And, and, okay. hello! Hi. I can gush more now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, here they are. <laughs> and here, I shall say more to them. <laughs> and so, uh, as I was saying, I was just about to say that what she sees before her is still so frightening, but she feels sorry for him. And she even says, like, I bet she made you come down here as a punishment for telling me too much. And he doesn't answer. And she even says, I'm so sorry. And he only says, she's not best pleased. Not best pleased at all. You've put her quite out of sorts. And when she gets out of sorts, she takes it out on everybody else. It's her way. As they kind of talk, he tells her, very in a much 
heavy struggle while these two are, if I may remind you, in a dark basement with only one door to escape from. And he is between that door. And he tells her, run, child. Leave this place. She wants me to hurt you. To keep you here forever so that you can never finish the game and she will win. She is pushing me so hard to hurt you. I cannot fight her. And she says, you can. Be brave. And he replies to her. After a pause while she's trying to get over towards the door, he simply says, Alas, I cannot. And in just that moment, that was when it, it lunged at her, like across like the basement or the cellar, and she knows that she had a single heartbeat to react, to escape from the dark and out to find her parents. And that's the scene I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> that is the scene. That one scene is the only reason why I would love to see this adapted <laughs> or rebooted. Because I, I, oof, oof, that scene. Oh, it's so good. It's a gut punch. It's a very good punch. Yeah. And. Uh, I hope, Tanner, that that feels a little bit more <laughs> rewarding for the other father. It does. Yeah, I mean, not rewarding for him necessarily, but it it but makes yeah. more sense in the broader Coraline narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and it doesn't hurt that it doesn't help that like it was himself. I hate saying this, but it was himself uh, trying to hurt her. While in the film, it was just more like a, a, a machine controlling him. Got some funky bug to, tractors. To yeah, <laughs> to uh, to try to try and go after her, and then he just he still goes against the will, very like very willy nilly, and just hands her what she's looking for. Mm -hmm. But with this scene, it's all him having to deal with the. With the brunt and punishment of uh, and control that the other mother has on him, and he cannot fight it, and it just puts more emphasis that she has to be brave and that she is through all this, while there are others who just cannot be. And elf, <laughs> and that, and that. <laughs> And that's the reason why I want Coraline to be rebooted. Please, 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 please. I would love it. Please, please, please. <laughs> Plus, I just kind of, I just miss, I just miss horror uh, for kids. Yeah. Films specifically. Yeah. I, I know that they got it in some TV shows. Um, like Over the Garden Wall it is pretty great. A mix of horror and whimsy, I believe. Um, and then you got like Gravity Falls and weird stuff like The Owl House as well. <laughs> they got it in shows, but I don't see many movies uh for horror for children. Yeah, the last one that came out that was like aimed towards a younger audience, I think, was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. How was that? I haven't seen it, but I saw the kill count of it, and because I have this weird thing about body horror, I watched the Scarecrow transformation about 20 times. 
Ooh. I heard it was not. Good. I, sh- I should watch it. Oh, yeah, I've heard this. I've heard like mix. I have heard mixed messages, but those who have grown up to the to the books are just like <laughs> about it. Yeah. See, I think these days what we get really is something closer to anthology TV shows like Haunting Hour or um, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Things like that, where it's they're self-contained, but they're still technically TV series. But like because they're self-contained, you can get a full movie's worth in there. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and some of them are real hokey. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like I, I was the one. Like I, I grew up with some. Are you afraid of the dark? Uh, shows, but uh, I definitely grew up with Goosebumps. So <laughs> there was some, there was some treasures in there. But yeah, gosh, like watching them back, I'm just like these are so hokey. But some of these genuinely terrifying mm-hmm. still. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would just. I think that would be my uh that would be uh my dream right there is a remake of Coraline with mixed mediums and it does not hold punches to show horror to kids because I'm one of those people who is actually very okay with horror elements shown in some shows and whatnot, which is why I kind of laugh at like some TV reviewers or what or what have you just being like, they're showing this for kids, you know, for kids. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, kids can handle horror. Stop it. <laughs> they can't. They, the whole, I think the reason for the reason why there should be a good, at least a necessary amount of horror in some shows is to show that there is things to be scared of. They need to know what fear feels like because that can be applied to the outside <laughs> as well, you know? Yeah. Things get things get scary. But in the other side you show that they can prevail it. Especially in the worst of times. Yeah, okay. So look, So not quite like the haunting the hour because that is a series where about half the episodes just end with everyone dead. Ah, okay. <laughs> That's tragedy. <laughs> I'm not sure. We like. I'm not sure about tragedy. <laughs> yeah, no. It's well, when you talk about horror for kids, you do want it to be like Coraline in the kind of fairy tale sense, where not like there's a moral, but there's. Oh, I guess there is a moral, but the moral is the dragons can be defeated, like you said at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of older fairy tales also had that moral. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. You you wanna you wanna face something that is so terrifying, but you also want to know that you can't come uh, overcome it. Um, it's pretty great, and I I love it so much. And <laughs> a, a couple, I feel like a couple of people would be very surprised over the fact that this is a children's book, and they're just like, why though? <laughs> because kids can handle this sort of stuff. I was reading ghost stories oh my gosh, at yeah. like I think I was eight. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you. Um, oh my goodness. Let me look it up. You're gonna hear a little bit of clackety clack. So <laughs> in this moment, there will be clackety clack. All right. That's fine. Uh, there used to be this collection of books. I I think they're still in print, and it's like anthologies of. Um, ghost stories and cryptid stories from all over Canada. They would like specific uh, print books that are like 
ghosts of British Columbia, ghosts of Quebec, that sort of stuff. Nice, 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 nice. I, I, I love those too. Um, especially in middle school and high school, I loved looking at like ghost stories, quote unquote, like true ghost stories, uh, hauntings, and all that jazz. I loved it. One of my first scary, uh, books. I read as a little bitty child when I was in elementary. Yes, I was in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read and listened to the tape of In a Dark, Dark Room and Other Scary Stories. Ooh. And I adored this book so much as a child because there would be an after school program and they would have like a little sitting spot where they would have books and a tape recorder or just like a little cassette player. And the book that they had, which was in a dark, dark room and other scary stories, they actually had the audio book and tape. And I listened to the crap out of it. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite story being, uh, was, uh, the girl and the girl with the, with the green ribbon. And it's it's actually still very scary. <laughs> that's the one where she's morbid. got a green ribbon around her neck, and you don't undo the green ribbon. Yes, that's the exact one. Correct. I love it. <laughs> what level is this? It's level one. I can. It's literally part of, and I can read a book level one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Was it level one or level two? It's one of those, but yeah, <laughs> it is. It is literally yeah. That's it. That's the exact one. It's the one with the with the girl and the green ribbon around her neck, living a complete normal life, and until on her deathbed, um, he the, her husband takes off the green ribbon and her head falls off, and that's where it ends. It doesn't go any more than that. <laughs> <laughs> and (laughs) yeah it's 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 quite it's quite something of course it was and the art as well was very was very very cool um if it's all right let me go ahead and show y'all the exact one the exact one that i grew up with because they edited it now here y'all go oh oh i think i have seen this exact version before yeah, this was I think the one. Actually, if I remember correctly, in second grade, there was a girl who showed that to me, uh, and this was the girl who later I saw reading Coraline. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just meant to be. <laughs> yeah, when, when I was wee, I only ever read the Goosebumps for horror. Or Okay, there was, there was like a series of like teen slasher novels, and I think they were written by Arl Stein, or at least like had forwards from him by them, but they they were like slash movies. They were like a, a killer at a summer camp or killer at a beach party type stuff. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> but when nice. I was wee, the one that messed me up the most was the Goosebumps book. Be careful what you wish for. Oh yeah. Because at the end, yeah. she gets turned into a bird, but she doesn't realize that she got turned into a bird because she thinks she was always a bird, and it's like, oh, that's messed up. <laughs> that's awesome. Much no. much more frightening than the one where they turn out to be dogs. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that one was just. Uh. <laughs> now you see, my parents like to mess us up because <laughs> they're great parents like that. So my mom created this 
uh, urban legend figure called Billy Bob Jackknife, who was basically kind of like one of those, um, I guess, cabin in the woods highway killers or like the Lover's Lane killer. Oh my god. <laughs> Hiding in the forests of Vancouver Island. And I believe that was 100% true. Oh no. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sorry. I am smiling so wide at this. You poor thing. <laughs> I mean, it's she probably, had a great name for him, clearly. It was probably for the better because, like, we were living in Bear and Cougar country, so it kept us out of the forest in the fall. So. As as scary stories tend to do. Yeah. <laughs> my, uh, my Cub Scouts, the scout leaders had a similar thing to make sure we wouldn't go wandering out in the middle of the night because they told us that if you went out too late to use the bathroom, then the white man would show up. And he was this really pale guy <laughs> dressed all in white who, when you went to the outhouse, he'd go and he'd push the outhouse over and all the stuff <laughs> in the outhouse would fall on you. Oh my god, that's awesome. So not as not an actual serial killer, like Lindsay's mom said, but, you know, scary enough for a bunch of little boys. <laughs> like, now you're afraid to pee at night. <laughs> So I, I know for a fact that I'm, I am I am going way off track, but this is what happens when you have someone just sitting here talking about horror stories. And um, this reminds me of uh, an animation short uh, called There's a Man in the Woods. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a spoken poem that's animated, and it's about an urban legend that becomes real. Uh, it is not an animation for kids. I will say that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it it pretty much goes into the same premise where a kid or somebody just makes up a tale out of out of selfish reasons to stay out of the woods, and um, it ju- everything just goes carried away. To summarize it, it is pretty much a poem about a teacher lamenting over the fact that thanks to one child fibbing that there is a man in the woods and a killer to scare, to scare uh, the kids from going near honeysuckles uh, that he wants to keep all to himself, everything just just snowballs thanks to that one tale. <laughs> hmm. It's extremely good. I highly recommend it. Again, it's still a little spooky. And it is not for kids. That's the most that I can be able to say without spoiling it, because it's actually very, very, very good. <laughs> I feel like I've seen this, too. It w- I think it was a student, f- a student film, actually. It probably came across my Tumblr at some point. But, um, should I, shall I uh, backpedal back to Coraline? <laughs> Let's see if we can get a little bit more Coraline in before we wrap things. <laughs> okay, what would you like me to talk about? Because I am just... I'm just going aimlessly. <laughs> um, would you keep YB in the reboot? Uh, I would not, personally. Mm-hmm. I would not keep YB on the reboot. The only reason is because if we keep YB in the reboot, that only means that it's a reboot of the film and not the book right. itself. So that's that's my only thing. Again, I love that character so much. But it would still turn into that like comparison to like a film that it's only based off of the film rather than the book itself. And um, <laughs> it's already kind of a little different from, from the book. Uh, so it would end up turning into, it's like, we're going to play a game of film telephone <laughs> in a way. Next question though, again, 
<laughs> um, I was like, if the concern, because why we was introduced so Coraline had someone to talk to, but we could just have right. Coraline just be talking to the cat. The cat doesn't have to respond in the real world. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, why are you acting like people don't just talk to their pets, have one, have full one-sided conversations with their animals? Oh, yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, I've done that as a kid myself. I've had full-on conversations as a child with inanimate objects, with nothing, with with cats, other animals. I That's how I was as a kid, and it. <laughs> I don't know why they they would want to take that away. The one thing that I would put emphasis is that I would rather I want her to think about her thoughts uh, or say her thoughts on some things, mm -hmm. but I don't want her to accidentally uh, turn into a huge info dump or telling us what's happening right now. That's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like uh, I feel like they accidentally did that with the with the uh, readaption of Dumbo was that they kept explaining what was going on. Oh yeah. Ra rather than Coraline just like just going on her own thoughts on how she feels of what what's up with the situation, but also being quiet when it's necessary. Because sometimes words and quiet is completely unnecessary, which I kind of, which I kind of feel is always missing in some American films. They always have to fill up the the void of silence <laughs> for some reason. But yeah, like if they can somehow keep that balance of exposition uh, and telling the audience what's going on when we know what's going on, versus to like necessary conversation uh, for Coraline every now and then to just kind of add a little bit more to the story rather than explaining what's already happening, then I think that we would be A plus for that, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's me personally, anyway. <laughs> and there's still always the cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all. That's all I got so far. <laughs> <laughs> Gracious me. Man, I want this. This is all I want. <laughs> <laughs> um but if you have if you have any more questions, please let me know because I'm just like happily looking over at my book right now, especially the creepy art that's in there. It's very nice. <laughs> like Del Toro creepy or Hmm. How do I describe this? <laughs> <laughs> A little bit kind of Del Toro. It's very, it's, hmm. I do recommend for people to look up the art of Cor of the Coraline book. Let me, more clackety class. <laughs> <laughs> the best way that I can be able to describe it is that it is kind of, it is a morph of what a person looks like. Um, It looks very much like pencil sketch. Almost looks in a way kind of puppetry. How do y'all feel about body horror and bugs? Um, Depends on the day. <laughs> yep. Okay, let's not use this one. <laughs> body horror, not sure. Use this one. Bugs, uh! <laughs> I'm kind of the opposite. Here we go. Whoop. It's just the guy sitting there with a rat on his hat. That's just a funky little man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's it's very pencil sketch uh, inside of the book, which I really, really, very much adore. 
Um, if we can somehow have the animation to kind of look very pencil sketch with also a little bit of a painterly uh, look to it, I would be very, very happy personally. Because it kind of looks, again, rather storybook uh, to it. And as it starts to like, as it starts to morph and everything, that's when things start to get very awry. That's the best that I can be able to describe it. Um, it's a, it is a very stylized warped look of uh, the world. And it starts to become even more warped and terrifying the further that you go into it, which is pretty much what it feels like when you go into when like everything gets worse and worse inside of the inside of the other world everything else has some type of form and is uh it at least has a stature that makes sense but as everything continues that's when it starts to uh, that's when it starts to be not so inviting mm -hmm. and it starts to make less and less sense Ah. Uh. I guess that's why, like, if anything in animation, you can at least take advantage of the fact that the house itself feels alive. And <laughs> you can just go nuts with some of the imagery. Maybe even... Uh, maybe even some paper doll looks. I don't know. I'm going crazy with the media mixture, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, I love mixing media all over the place. Oh, yeah, same. That's why I'm like... that. Uh, that's why I'm just kind of happy over the fact that at least there's some 3D and 2D mixtures out there, aka like Into the Spider Verse being being a great example. At least there's some mixed medium. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I I would really like to come back to the time when when we were a kid, we wanted to be a cartoon, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like having that realism getting morphed into that wishful thinking, I think is would be very amazing, uh, especially for especially for child viewers. Honestly, yeah, yeah, that's a uh, that's how I feel. <laughs> that's why that's <laughs> why I would like this. Uh, I would like this reboot. Granted, obviously, I have not thought out the entire plot <laughs> of how it would go. But it's just mostly on, like, I have an idea of what it looks like. And I honestly just want it to be done because of one scene. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. I've, I haven't talked about any stuff in that category for me, but I definitely have some stuff on my list. So it's like, well, just need to do a scooch, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but, yeah. I think that's that's about as much as I can think of right now at the top of my head. I wish I was a little bit more prepared, um, but <laughs> uh, we've done episodes with less planning. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, we definitely got a lot more out of this than I was. I mean, I'll admit I was concerned going into this because I was thinking Coraline is a really good movie, actually. So how much can we do? But I think we actually covered a good amount of ground. Yay! I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad I can surprise you. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but yeah, um I'm over here like doing little hand motions like thank you for having me. <laughs> All right. Um okay, so I guess if we've reached the end of that, then uh, I'm just going to open this door in my basement just casually and <laughs> oh my gosh, there's a friendship promo on the other side. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Sarah from Good Nightmare Podcast. 
a podcast where I like to talk about all things strange and unusual, whether it's mysteries, historical crimes, or fairy tale origins. I hope you'll come along for the ride and join me as we delve into some spooky tales. Happy listening. You gotta run. You gotta <laughs> run, my friend. You gotta run. <laughs> no, no, I made it. I'm back. I still have my own eyes. It's fine. <laughs> oh, good. What is that hand right behind you? <laughs> uh, oh, no, that's just my funky light that I got from Ikea. Sure, <laughs> it was ready with bug spray to take care of that spider of the mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works too. Oh, please, please, please. I went, One time when I was camping, we were very near a wasp colony, oh. and I just went ham with the bug spray on them. Oh Fair my enough. god, here they come with the bug spray. <laughs> this, was, this was a few years before I found out that when you kill a wasp, they release a pheromone that tells all the other wasps in the area that someone is killing wasps and you should go attack them. Oh, they go the opposite of crows. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, see, crows, when one dies, they make a specific call that says, hey, don't go here, you will die. <laughs> yeah. But wasps is just like, get after him, get after him, avenge me. Avenge me. Effing avenge me <laughs> right now. <laughs> so now, so now whenever wasp gets into the store, like, I'll kill it, and then I will, sp- like, I will drown it in cleaning solution to try and like drown out that pheromone or whatever so that it doesn't attract anyone else that is fascinating i actually did not know that though (laughs) and then and now they make traps where it's like they're specifically designed to like as more wasps die in them they lure more wasps in so that eventually the whole colony ends up getting trapped in there and dying which is really morbid but also they're wasps so fuck (laughs) them I mean, yeah, I I I deal with uh I deal with wasps, uh here at my house every now and then. So I'm just like, mm, stay away from my dog. He don't know better. He literally eats flies in midair. Please. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is that I reward him for it. So if he sees a wasp, he wants to like be. He wants me to be extra proud and get the extra big bug. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I love my dog so much, y'all. I want him to be careful. <laughs> now I know this new horror. Now I'm scared. <laughs> All right. Luck. Yeah. Where can you be found on the internet? You can't find me. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah, you can find me. All right, so <laughs> let's see. Uh, I am over at, uh, well, I'm hardly on Pillow Fort, but I am there. But you could definitely, oh, most 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 definitely find me over on Twitter at YamsLock, and that is Lock with an E at the end, and Yams just like you know, you know, like Yams, the stuff that you eat, that sweet potato. <laughs> 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 but uh, that's where you can definitely find me. Uh, either reblogging about well, right now, not not reblogging. Gracious, my Tumblr life. I used to be on Tumblr, but I hardly am. I'm only there for like. Speckles of RP. But you can find me through Twitter at Yamslock and there you'll be you'll definitely be able to find a lot of my art. And as I have said earlier, uh I will be opening up commissions, especially once this is uh released. <laughs> I will be uh I will be getting some uh slots open if you want some nice, colorful, colorful scenic stuff. 
and uh, you'll be able to find my sketches and also uh, me worrying about my dog yelling at Janine <laughs> <laughs> for being the comical jester clown that she is and I adore her so much um and you will also be finding me retweeting a lot of <laughs> a lot of animation stuff because as uh because obviously as I think this episode has probably uh spotlighted I very much love animation so very much <laughs> So I think, yeah, I think honestly, Twitter is just the best way to find me nowadays. And you, you still have a podcast, right? Why do I always do this? <laughs> I did this on Wayward. I mean, to be fair, you guys have been very busy and haven't had a chance to make a new episode in a while. Yeah, so. we're actually, okay, so news on that, by the way. I think I can tell, I think I can tell y'all about this. I'm very sure I could tell y'all about this. Um, we're actually going to be doing an anniversary episode very soon. Uh on my birthday because we actually made the podcast on my birthday <laughs> so yay um you can definitely be able to find us over on the pokemon side uh over at my favorite pokemon and that's my favorite pkmn m as in mary n as in nancy and that is where me and my lovely jester clown janine uh literally interview anybody about their favorite pokemon which can be anything. We literally interviewed about a Beedrill. We interviewed about an Oddish. I mean, come at us, <laughs> please. <laughs> I We absolutely adore hearing about the love of a Pokemon that someone has that we couldn't even think about. Uh, <laughs> like, we look at a Pokemon, it's like, how is this someone's favorite? But once we get someone on board, we just, like, start to see, like, we start to get out of that podcast with even more appreciation for it. I got more appreciation for a Magnemite now. Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so definitely please. <laughs> well, we'll be having an anniversary episode out where you get to hear another favorite. Um, so I hope uh, people will like that and us trying to get back into the groove of podcasting again. But uh, any updates? of that podcast any uh submissions wanting to be on the podcast we're open to everybody uh you can definitely put in your submission form in through that uh twitter and again that is uh at my favorite pokemon pkmn that's where you can find me janine and my personal twitter which you can find uh my art and me trying to be cool <laughs> <laughs> that's all i got awesome <laughs> all right um, Lindsay, where can you be found? I can be found. Where can I find you? <laughs> I can be found on Twitter <laughs> at lindsaym four seven six. That's Lindsay spelled with an A. And you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at sparkyupstart and on Instagram at sparkyyoungupstart. And I have a pillow fort too, but I don't think I've been there in a year and a half. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at n i i r y f pod. Those are the letters for not if I boot you first, and they're pronounced. Is that any way to talk to your mother? <laughs> you can also email us at notifyreboutyoufirst at gmail.com. You can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or some buttons. You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea because we like being surprised. Or you could send us a promo for us to do in our friendship promos, and that can be for anything you want. It can be in the form of an audio file, or you can just send us a proof for us to read. Either way, it is free because we love promoting people. 
We also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash first if you want to give us some money. We haven't been promoting it lately, but it's starting to pick up back up again, so I might as well talk about it. Because also, if you give us a dollar a month, you can get a shout-out. And so, uh, we have now have five people we can shout-out. Hey, Man, they got this down. <laughs> so let me, let me go find who all we have now. Go. So far. So we want to thank... We want to thank Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you, Cassidy. Thanks, Cassidy. <laughs> thank you, Christina. Thank you, Christina. Christina. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Julia. Julia. And thank you, Jenny the Geek. Thank you, Jenny, Jenny the Geek. The geek. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you don't want to give us money, that's fine, because you can also support us by rating and reviewing us on your podcatcher of choice. And if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me, and I'll try and get us in there. Please, please. <laughs> Not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can find out more about the other awesome shows we share the network with at CornerPodNet on Twitter. And last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex A.K.A. Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us how to find a contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. Locke, thank you so much for joining <laughs> yeah, us tonight. Yeah. Thank you so much. Man, y'all got this down. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we have, a, like, a cheat sheet set yeah. up. Oh, that's right. Those <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this, this was a lot of fun. Glad to have you. We'll definitely have you on again in the future, oh, hopefully. Dang. I'll have to... Um, um, um... <laughs> don't, don't worry. It, it doesn't have to be anytime soon. <laughs> I'm glad you like that bit. <laughs> But no, yeah. No, you have to come on next <laughs> oh, week. Oh, um, 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 <laughs> Heck, <laughs> all right. I'll think of something. <laughs> For real though, it has been it has been really nice. I I really really do appreciate y'all having me and uh, Janine volunteering <laughs> me <laughs> because yeah, as 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 she has expressed, I have I I guess I'm just a small cryptid. You have to catch me somehow to to get to get into solo because otherwise I'm just a shy bean. I'm just a shy little thing. <laughs> but this has been fun and thank y'all very much for um letting me gush about this story. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I really do appreciate it. Lindsay, go eight. <laughs> I will. We have one more thing to do. Tanner, <laughs> do we have a hint for next week? Yes. What is the hint? Uh, it's actually, the hint is in your court because uh, the people have spoken once again and they've chosen next week's topic is going to be Flashdance. Woo! Oh. So, um, we're gonna... <laughs> we're gonna get a feeling. Grab flashlights. <laughs> we're gonna be a bunch of maniacs on the dance floor. You can grab flashlights and dance. Yeah. Yep, that's what the film is about. <laughs> Wait! <laughs> I gotta go and rewatch it. <laughs> I haven't seen this one. Do I count? <laughs> <laughs> we'll learn. We'll learn you a thing when the next episode airs. Yay! <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right. <laughs> all right. So we're gonna pour some water all over ourselves next week, but not if we were beat you first. Bye. Bye bye.